All right. Hello, and welcome to our first official episode here on Liddy Learning with Lauren. Um, today, we're just going to get into the basis of ritual ritual dance um, and what I've learned uh, this far in class just with our first week um, in Dance History 2 at Ball State University. So um, our first reading was from African Dance. The chapter is called Divine Motion. Uh, this chapter was written by Fern Yangeti Kalker Bronson. So Kalker Bronson is studied with numerous master teachers um, in African and Caribbean dance and music, which include people like Catherine Dunham and Pearl Primus. Um, so in other words, she's just really versed around sort of the African diaspora, um, which makes her a really great um, source to start with. I really enjoyed the first section of this chapter. Um, it segued kind of with this section called um, Finding the Ashe Within. Um, the Ashe kind of is this ritualistic uh, way to get into class that it described. Um, you would kind of be standing just parallel, looking forward, um, head and like torso aligned, just lifted upwards. Um, and basically, you take a deep breath in and then breathe out and find your way um, settling down to the ground until you're finally stretched out on your back. Um, and it kind of describes it as finding the full connectedness or um, like completeness um, of your connection to Mother Earth and Father Sky. Um, I feel like that really just drives forward um, how connected um, African or like ritualistic uh, dance can be, um, say like to the earth. Um, a lot of it we do see danced barefoot, um, and it's very grounded. Um, so I think that just really drives forward the um, groundedness aspect of this type of dancing. The author goes on to talk about the active surrender, um, which is kind of more popular within um, the African diaspora as opposed to like, or in comparison, I should say, to um, Eurocentric dance forms like ballet. Um, these other like African dance forms call for more of an act of surrender. It's a little more, um, uh, well, the author kind of described it as more natural. And again, just finding that true connection because this type of dance is very related to culture. Um, and then she kind of segued that into talking about how to break out of one's like cultural biases and to really experience um, another person's culture. And to do that, you really do have to surrender. Um, find that act of surrender in order to truly connect with and like remove your judgments. Unfortunately, a lot of African dance um, has been like falsely judged and misunderstood. Um, it's often described as primitive um, or crude, um, even though that, um, you know, a lot of European dance is actually taken from the form and all of a sudden it's, um, you know, described as like better or like has form and stuff like that. When in fact, African dance um, embodies, you know, poetry, history, life, community, um, all of these ideas connected to these people's um, culture. Um, also, the idea of a lack of form um, comes from the fact that a lot of like African dance isn't necessarily written down or codified. And the European view kind of um, insists that, you know, it must be written down, it must be codified, you know, ABC must happen in this order um, and so forth. But when in fact, um, 
African dance is codified in a sense that um, a lot of these ritual dances are created you know, for whatever purpose, and then they're passed down through generations, and they stay, you know, exactly the same, and they hold true to their purpose. Uh, so it is codified in a, um, in a sense, but it's not necessarily, like, written down. Um, and I think the purpose, or um, at least what I found and some of what we discussed in class about why uh, maybe it's not written down is because the dancing itself is a form of recording. Um, it's, you know, the embodiment of poetry, it's the embodiment of history of life and community and transformation and everything in between. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to be written down if it's being, if the movement itself is being passed down along with the meaning. As we got into our actual discussion about what ritual dances looked like, um, we defined some points that like, um, it's usually about things like, um, you know, worship to various gods within the culture or a connection to ancestors even that have since passed. Um, sometimes it's related to healing or magical powers. Um, it can be used as a celebration for things like childbirth, marriage, even death. Um, it really just followed the culture and was guided by the culture and the values. Um, and something about ritual dance that I was kind of surprised about was that it was actually discovered through rock paintings in France during the Paleolithic age. Um, I think I was just surprised personally because I didn't really expect it to be France, um, but that's a little tidbit I learned there. So ritual dances themselves kind of vary. They can last hours or even days. Um, one example we were given in class is like rain dances. So. Um, you know, using this ritual rain dance to summon rain, well, these people would probably dance and then keep going until the rain actually came. So that might be the next day, it might be the next week or the next month. Um, the movements themselves are typically um, kind of basic so that everybody in the community can pick them up and they can be passed down through generations. Um, a lot of these uh, ritual dances are still performed today. Um, they're still within the cultures, um, still pretty prominent and important. The second group we kind of looked up, uh, we split into different groups. Uh, my group in particular studied the Zulu of South Africa. They have a dance called the Indalamu dance. Um, this dance is a dance of warriors. Um, it was performed usually before wars, but we also read that occasionally it was performed at weddings. Um, it's done solely, performed solely by men. It's done to drums. Um, and the costuming in particular was a big part of this. So they would wear their traditional um, warrior um, clothing that they would use going into war while performing this dance. Um, I looked up a video of it and they essentially wear, it's called skins, it's kind of just animal skins made into sort of um, a draping short like um, skirt and then they have a belt um, with which holds a sheath and sometimes they have spears um, as well as shields. Uh, these like spears and shields are used a lot within the dance itself. You'll see motions of them like slicing down an enemy or blocking blows. Um, and it's very, it's very precise, um, which kind of reinforces the idea that ritual dance um, is in fact a form uh, because you see these ritual dances like the Indalamu having such precise um, movements. And it even had like 
um, cannons, you know, so I witnessed um, in the video that I watched, uh, there was one dancer on the end. He was doing a solo while the other men were stationary holding their spears um, in very neat lines. They were in like these rows that you might see like soldiers in. Um, and he did a solo. And then the two men behind him joined in. And progressively, the two men after that joined. And then the next group joined and so on until they were all doing it. Um, they were very together in it. Um, it was definitely timed out, so it would almost be impossible to argue that there's no form around it. Even their posture was very maintained. Um, they were either very upright or during, like, you know, parts where they were slashing or fighting um, an enemy, so to speak. They all had this different posture. It was always identical um, how they placed their weight, basically. Um, our next reading was called Performing Trauma, the Ghosts of Slavery in Yoruba Music um, and Ritual Dance. So I found that this chapter covered kind of a lot of history of the Yoruba people, which I mentioned earlier, um, that we studied um, kind of as our first group. Um, so a lot of their history I found wasn't necessarily written down, um, and they had like a lot of dark things happening. There was even a section that described um, a performance of um, a child being abducted. Um, so like, you know, this child, like in the performance, um, acting was literally just, you know, abducted. Um, and I think they were kind of using dance um, kind of as a form of like record keeping or even like broadcasting. Um, I brought up in the discussion portion of class that um, you know, today when something kind of tragic happens or some, you know, event um, that is, you know, noteworthy, even if it is kind of horrific, is always, you know, broadcasted on the news. You know, it's on every headline. You see it on the Internet. You hear it on every news station, on every radio station. Everybody has to know. Everybody needs to know the details. Um, and I think this was kind of similar um, because these people were taking something that they felt so like, you know, um, whether they were distraught about it, you know, shocked about it, angry about it, they were taking it and they were using dance as a form to broadcast it, saying, you know, um, even if they felt ashamed of it or something, or if they wanted to change it, it was their way of getting it out um, and kind of expressing that feeling. So I, I just felt that um, this whole chapter really drove forward um, how these cultures or the, you know, Yoruba people in particular um, were utilizing dance. Um, which was really interesting to me because these days it's so um, performance driven or entertainment driven. You know, people want to go and watch a performance that makes them feel good, that makes them happy, that makes them smile. Um, sometimes this isn't always the case. Um, you know, there may be a comedy aspect, there may be a tragedy aspect to it too. You know, you'll have uh, dances that highlight like, um, you know, just awareness for different issues going on. Um, if it were, you know, in today's terms, uh, we might have artists like highlighting like Black Lives Matter, um, you know, issues and movements like that. But they were kind of doing a very, there were Yoruba people were kind of doing a very similar thing. Um, so, yeah, the rest of the chapter really just highlighted um, kind of just the actual cultural history of the group, um, you know, different wars and issues and things like that. And I just felt that the ending point of it was that um, dance was kind of. Be becoming this ritual like reenactment um, and record keeping and way to broadcast and get out um, 
and to feel it, uh, to talk about it, stuff like that. So that sums up to um, this week's um, episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, stay tuned, and we'll next week we'll keep diving into ritual dance um, to learn a little bit more about that. So see you next time.